Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. Consumers, we are all trying to be more conscious and buy and shop in a more sustainable way. And an increased number of brands are looking at products in a more innovative way. And one of those brands is Billy London, the world's first biodegradable hose-free brand. And today I'm chatting with one of the co-founders, Sophie, all about Billy London and the brand. So thank you very much for joining me, Sophie. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Now, I want to know a lot about why hosiery, how it all started, but tell us about you first. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> about me. So as you are going to hear for the next 30 minutes or so, I am French. Um, I have a very strong accent. I apologize in advance about <laughs> it. Um, I arrived in the UK 13 years ago now, uh, and I never left. Um, I've got a background in marketing and new business, in advertising mainly. And um I sort of always wanted to, um, as cliche as it sounds, always wanted to set up um, my own business, mm-hmm. um, but I never had the thing. Um, so it took me 10 years to actually find what I wanted to actually do and that mattered and that would make an impact and change mm-hmm. um, some stuff in this world. Um, so it took, it took quite a while, yeah. And have you always, obviously, because you're, you're a sustainable and ethical brand and it's a biodegradable product, have you always been interested in um, sustainability and researching that side of things? No. <laughs> the honest answer is no. Uh, so growing up in France in the 90s, I was a huge consumer of fast fashion mm-hmm. myself. Um, and I would say about five years ago when um, the how much the fashion industry is destroying our planet and all of this started to become you know more obvious and in the news everywhere that's when i started to really realize the effect that my actions and my behaviors with uh, fashion had mm-hmm. and um since then that's how i started to actually become more aware of it but i was actually not um studying sustainability or anything yeah. like that. It, it came from my own personal um, experience as a consumer and as a human being, trying yeah. to be more careful on a day-to-day basis, and not just with fashion, with everything, you know, in the bathroom, in the kitchen, everywhere. Um, yeah. Trying to the way we commute, you know, trying to cycle, all of that. So it's it's more from a personal perspective uh, that it all started. Take us back then to because you are it's a it's you and Marie, uh, so you're both co-founders. How did the the idea come about, and how did it start? Mm-hmm. So I used to wear a lot of tights um, and it all started back in November 2018. I was um, late for work, putting my tights on. I, at the time, had a one-year-old daughter and um, she looked at me uh, with like big eyes because suddenly I started to shout across the room, like, what's going on? And what happened is that I broke my tights. They were yeah. 
And so what did I do? I went into my kitchen, throw them away, and I came back in my bedroom and took another one out of my wardrobe. And that was it. And I had my moments when I was in that kitchen. Yeah. When I throw my ties away, I thought, hang on, I do this three times a month myself. Yeah. Millions of us every day wearing tights. What is the impact of this act that we do robotically on the environment? I never thought of it. Um, So I started to do some research and that's when I realized that first you cannot recycle an old pair of tights into a new one. So once your tights reach the end of its life, they are going to end up most likely in landfills and there they are going to take up to 100 years to decompose. Uh, Every year in the UK, there is over 7,000 tons of waste because of tights in landfills. I know. Uh, I saw a stat on your um, website that it's something like in a year, is there 130 million pairs? Correct. And and, yes, and globally, it's 8 million. Wow. So 8 billion, billion, sorry. So so every year, 8 billion pairs of tights are being produced produced and are being throw away yeah um, and then and like you say then it takes nearly 100 years up to 100 years, to disappear, which is insane um so i did this research and i was like okay this is it i need to do something better here so i started realizing that biodegradability was already a solution in fashion mm-hmm. but it was never applied to tights and uh, i had no idea where to start what to do so I did um, a startup course called Escape the City in London. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I, to go back to your point earlier, that's when I very quickly realized that I needed to surround myself with people who knew about sustainability uh, because I didn't have a background in it. And there were no way I was going to create a brand that was going to uh, have a negative impact. And Mary, my co-founder now, was at my place of work and um at the time, and I remembered she had a background in sustainability, in fashion. She, st- she studied biodegradability. She also studied um, at the London College of Fashion. Um, so it was kind of obvious that I needed to talk to her. Um, so I went to have a coffee with her. She had no idea what I was going to talk to her about. <laughs> I just wanted to have some um, advice on a few things and potentially get some help to research materials. And uh, as I sat down for the coffee with her, my tights ripped. And obviously, again, I, you know, shouted. And um, she looked at me and she said, oh, this is so annoying. It's one of the, it's the other thing I'm also trying to um, fix myself. I'm passionate about trying to make the unsustainable tights industry more sustainable. So she was researching it. Okay. And I draw stuff of like, you know, I just couldn't believe it. But she, yeah. <laughs> she had no idea. Um and so we started talking, it lasted for one hour. And at the end of it, it was super obvious that we needed to do it together. I uh, bet you that, that, I bet you were just so excited about yeah. with that conversation when it, you found was, someone that is already actually on that journey, but they can, then can do it with you. So, cause it can be quite lonely, you know? Um, but I can imagine that was a very, like just a light bulb moment for both of you. Like actually together, you can make it happen. Absolutely. And we um, haven't uh, stopped uh, seeing each other. In, uh, <laughs> that was in May 2019, back then. And we, we've been, um, she's my work wife. <laughs> <We've> been, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, there isn't a day where we're not talking. And um, yeah, it's, it's quite amazing. 
And how have your roles evolved in the business then? Are you both in terms of, obviously, when it, it's good if you're in a business and one person is one person's strength is the other person's weakness or, you know, sometimes when you have more than one person in a business, you both take on different roles. Mm-hmm. How how has how have you set up yours? Who does who does what generally in the in the business? So before meeting Marie, I sort of had a very strong vision and brand um, identity for what is now Billy London. Um, so naturally, I'm sort of doing more of the brand strategy, brand vision, tone of voice, marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also now doing all the sales um, slash retailers side of things. Yeah. And Mary is naturally as well involved more with the product development, the sustainability. Yeah. Uh, you know, making the technical. Sure, exactly. Making sure mm-hmm. we get all the certifications. Uh, materials innovation we we really try to innovate a lot and it is part of what we do um so it's a huge piece the product development material innovation she is also doing all our um brilliantly and in fact she didn't have experience in it before but she has learned to do it and she's absolutely wonderful at it all the finance side of things and the Mm -hmm. operations so um if i have to put job titles also we tend to do a lot of everything but yeah uh, marie is a coo and i will be the ceo yeah okay great and it, it takes a lot to go from an idea in a coffee shop to a pop-up shop in london <laughs> which is what you had around christmas time so and i know that you've got about two years in that two to three years in that gap how did you then start developing the product how did you know you had a a viable product did it lot of did it cost a lot to start up you know talk us through that mm-hmm. side of it as well so i think the biggest challenge we had was to find a factory mm-hmm. light making is extremely complex and it's not just a case of putting a yarn on the machine and you've got your tights we did about 10 prototypes just for our first tights mm-hmm. uh, because there were no way we were going to compromise quality for sustainability yeah and because the yarns that we are using are so innovative and never been used in tights before. It took a while to actually manipulate them and ensure we knew the, the correct formula on the machine as well. Yeah, yeah. So no one has done this before. So it was, we had no background in tights. We uh, were two young women, you know, and walking into those factories, trying to get a meetings, trying to get them to see us. I mean, it was really hard. And um, that was the biggest challenge at the beginning. Mm-hmm. They can seriously first, but then finding the factory who will be okay to go on board with this crazy project that we had. Um, because it costs time. It, co- it costs yeah. money, and it's time. Uh, yeah. Two years of R&D overall before launching. And how did you, did you stay, when you found that factory, are they the ones that you stayed with? You know, the yeah. ones that you found at the beginning? Yeah. They are absolutely amazing. They are a partner, really. They are they are truly the best. Um, not only they where they had this mentality where we were aligned with sustainability and the practice. Mm-hmm. They are one of the most sustainable factory in Italy. Um, they are powered with solar panel. They recycle the waters. They've got all the certifications you can think of. Um, so not only we needed someone who will be prepared to develop it with us, but also who were aligned from a sustainability point yeah. of view. And the way we knew we had something, we first started to do a survey, uh, our sort of MVP um, before launching, where over 300 women 
took part in the survey. That's great. That's a really yeah. good number. How did you, just out of curiosity, how did you get 300 people to fill in a survey? <laughs> so uh, that, so uh, we did that at the time when I was doing the startup course, uh, which I cannot recommend highly enough. It was really brilliant. And um, sharing it with all our network. Obviously, it was Marie and I. Mm-hmm. So it's two of us activating two yeah. of our networks in France and in the UK. Mm-hmm. But actually, people from all over the world um, responding to it. Uh, so sharing it widely on social media, our friends, our family, yeah. and, you know, it goes, it goes like that, um, trying to activate every single piece of network that we had. Yeah. Um, so very, very good results indeed. And that in this survey, we try to understand um, women's habits with tights, how they consume, what they do, yeah. their pain points, and so on. Um, so that was a, a very good piece of research to start with. And then we launched a crowdfunding campaign back in, um, was due to launch in March 2020, but then um, the world got turned upside down. So um, we delayed it to May 2020, still in the middle of COVID, but we said, you know what, we got to do it. We can't wait until September. Yeah. Because we needed to launch the production. So we used a platform called Ulul, which is the equivalent of uh, Kickstarter in the UK. Um, but it was more appropriate for us because we could have both um, currency, pounds and euro. And yeah. our network signed those um, currencies, so it made sense. And uh, we reached our objective within 24 hours. Um, so that- How much did you want to raise? We, it, wasn't in a, um, it was an objective in terms of qu- uh, quantity. So we wanted... Uh, quantity uh, of tight yeah. board, is that how you yeah. did it? Right, Correct. okay. Yes. Um, it was a reward-based... Uh, crowdfunding, not equity. So okay. it was direct with the consumers and we sold um, just under 700 tights wow. um, in total, which was absolutely amazing. And um, that was it for us. We had um, we had some fun to actually launch. We were ready. Our prototypes were more or less ready <laughs> when we did the crowdfunding. Not yeah. Um, and then that's how it started. We received our first production in November of the same year. So people, um, our, our consumers ordered the tights in May and they received it in November later. And would you, I mean, you'll have to give me the link for that uh, mm. crowdfunding platform because I've heard different things about Kickstarters and crowdfunding because there's a lot of effort. I think sometimes it depends how much you need to raise and there's a lot of effort and time that goes into... Oh, it's relentless. ...doing the, the crowdfunding, you know, and, and or the Kickstarter, whatever it might be. Um, would you do it again? Would you go that route again? Um, if I was to start again, yeah. I would do it again, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not sure I want to do a crowdfunding right now <laughs> because it's it's a lot of effort and it's um, it's a relentless job, but I would absolutely recommend doing it. I mean, we got a lot of press from it. Um, we created our first audience, you know, to 700 tides that we sold. Yeah. Has, has been key for us. And we are nurturing those first followers so much. They are, they are the one, there's a reason why we're still here today. I think as well that with crowdfunding, it does have to be niche, I think, to get, because yours is a new product, it's niche. It's, I don't think it doesn't have to be niche, but, mm. you know, you need to be able to set yourself apart. I don't think if you're going to, if you just want to say, I want to start an activewear brand, that you go on crowdfunding and it's going to, yeah. it's going to raise, you know, you're going to get 700 orders. But mm-hmm. I think... Um, 
I'm sure that yours is a, you know, you, if people still search, they can probably still be able to see your campaign. So if people want to have a look at what your campaign looked like, they can they can well, find that. We, we evolved so much since. It's very interesting to look back and see how, you know, we talked about the, the brand, the products. Um, in fact, we're still searching really our, our true brand platform because the biodegradability message is a hard one to understand. When you talk about a product that's recycled, made of recycled material, super mm -hmm. easy to understand. You know, it's been 10 years people have been talking about yeah. it. But biodegradability is, um, is, is a, di a different message and, and a lot more difficult to understand. So, um, and because your, your tights take five years to biodegrade. Yes. So I haven't explained what <laughs> the solution. After <laughs> <laughs> two years of R&D, um, our tags biodegrade in a record time of five years. So up to... Versus 20, 100. Of what, yeah. 20 times faster. They um, transform into biomass and biogas. So they create renewable energies and they don't leave microplastics in landfills. Um, very key to uh, specify that we're talking about a, a controlled landfills environment. So the tights are not going to biodegrade on you, in your wardrobe, only in what we call an anaerobic condition. Anaerobic mm -hmm. conditions are specific of landfills. Mm -hmm. So it's the um, same goes, so one of our mission is not only obviously to, to innovate with the materials, but is also to educate consumers on conscious living and sustainability. There is huge, obviously greenwashing is everywhere. There is yeah. huge misconceptions between biodegradability and compostability. They are not the same. You cannot compost your billy tights. Compostability is aerobic conditions. Biodegradability is anaerobic. And the scientific process behind the two are completely different. So for our tights to biodegrade, they need to have specific lighting, temperatures, and so on. Um, and that all occurs in a landfill environment versus, like you say, you can't put them in your compost bin in the back of your garden and expect them to biodegrade. No, absolutely not. No, yeah. no. And some, you know, some brands would say that this is possible. It, it's not. You really have to educate the consumers on it and explain. I mean, I, I had no idea either before, you know, it's, it's uh, so I don't blame anyone. <laughs> And you talked there about engaging and your community and educating. And, you know, from looking at your website, I know you do that quite a bit already. And also I've been following you for a while and your pop-up shop that you did in London. So I'll ask you about the, the classes and workshops that you ran in a minute, but how did that? So when you did the pop-up in London, you were what, a year in business? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Just under a year. Just under a year. And that was in Covent Garden in Seven Dials. Um, so how did, when did you start thinking about that and how did that come about? We um, have won a competition, ah. I think that was in uh, 2019, in, in fact, I can't remember exactly, but we did this competition with Shaftesbury and Seven Dials and um, four of us won it. So we won the space, ah. which is absolutely amazing so being mm -hmm. it was done as well with the telegraph and being truly recognized by seven dials shasbury the telegraph as one of the future you know brands to watch and yeah. uh, to look for has been incredible and and very very humbled um and we were due to launch it a year before but yeah. it kept being delayed obviously the the shops, the high streets, mm -hmm. really they were closed for a long time. 
Um, so with an open date in September 2021. And um, it was meant to be for a few months only, two months top. And um, they kept extending our our list. Uh, so we had it for almost six months, which has been That's amazing. very lucky, very lucky. And it was a wonderful experience. I mean, we launched during COVID, not being able to speak to our consumers, see them, meet them. And suddenly, you know, having this huge space, we had a huge shop um, to start with. They wanted to offer us a, um, a shop that was a fourth of the size. And I said, no. And people said to me, you're crazy. You've got two products. We had two tights at the time. Why do you want this big shop? And that's because we are not only revolutionizing the materials, but it's the whole tights shopping experience. Today, if you want to buy tights, you might go into a supermarket. You can touch them, feel them, try them on. You never know if they're going to fit. They are going to be in between the toothpaste and the shampoo. I mean, it's just horrendous. And um, it was very important for us to review this whole experience. So it was a very minimalist um, design, but very colorful, aligned with our brand image. In fact, everyone thought it was a permanent store, uh, which was really nice to hear. Everyone thought it was a what store? A, a permanent store. Sorry. All right, okay, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People were shocked when we were saying we're just a pop-up. Mm-hmm. Um, and we brought the consumers on a journey. So we explained the problem with tights. We show them the solution. Uh, they were able to touch them, try them on in our changing room. We created a sort of mini exhibitions where we show how the tights were made. We had a huge table, which was our workshop table, where we organized workshops on how to look after the tights, repair them, upcycle them into macrame, hangers, into hairbands, you name it. Um, and the conversion rate in the shop was 90%, 9-0. Wow, that's amazing. So that's really good. In, they left with their Billy London products, which was absolutely wonderful. And um, we... Like, launched- most conversions for shops might be around 50%. So for you to be at like 90%. Mm. Okay. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to be transparent. The traffic wasn't huge. Yeah. Uh, it was still COVID. We still had moments where, you know, the tone were, were very empty. But um, that's just to show that the potential that we yeah. have um, in a normal situation. And I love the workshop. I saw some of the workshops online that you did, like you mentioned it in terms of upcycling and making uh, macrame plant mm-hmm. pot holders out of the um, out of the tights, which is fab. This was all you were doing this all full time. You don't didn't have another job then that you were trying to do, and you were trying to do this on site. So you were fully focused on Billy Lund, and then when all this was going on. Correct. We left our job in September 2020, 2021. Oh my gosh, where are we now? 2022. It's going to be a year at the end of, uh, yeah, so to, to last year, just before the shop, basically. Right. Okay. So you'd been doing a lot on the side, essentially, before you went into... Over two years doing the two of them, yeah. Yeah. And... um in terms of engaging with your community and the workshops you've done, how else do you bring your customers into your world and engage with them? A lot. Um, our first followers are really key for us. And um, to anyone, you know, thinking of starting up some things, you've got to nurture your first followers. They are the ones who are going to help you grow and, and spread the word. We have three WhatsApp groups with, our, um, with 30 girls in total. Uh, 30 women who um, we communicate with 
sometimes every day, sometimes once a week, you know, we're not um, hassling them, but it's, um, they are key for us because we are constantly asking them questions about what do you think? Should we use this word versus this word? What do you think of the next product? You know, constantly we are using them as um, not only they are able to co-create the products with us, but for us, obviously, it's, um, it's a big piece of research that we use every week. Yeah. So we've got two groups in French, uh, 10 women each, and one uh, group in England um, with um, 10 women. We are also going to soon enough launch a fourth group with men uh, because there's a huge community uh, of men wearing tights and it's very important to include them as well. Um, mm. Probably 10 or 15, maybe 20% of our sales um, are also, maybe not 20, but less than that, but you know, they are the traffic on our website as well. Yeah. It's a lot coming from articles, uh, men wearing tights. Okay, great. So it's important to have them in, in the dialogue as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And is there anything that you would do differently if you were to start again? Yes, I would, I think, do less. We have been um, guilty of doing a lot, wanting to do everything. Obviously, for over two years, we had our day-to-day -day job really on the side. Mm -hmm. Um, we, Mary and I were doing everything ourselves from graphic designer to web developer to a commercial team to everything, product development. Um, and we just tried, we said yes to everything. We tried to do it all. And I think if I was to do it again, I will, um, concentrate more on, um, the retailer side of things. Um, I think that's my big, my big focus those days is, um, uh, going in with retailers, uh, you know, it could be Galerie Lafayette, Le Bon Marché in France, uh, Liberty, Harrods, um, Fenwick's in the UK, for instance. Um, are, you, are you stocked in those retailers we start, We're starting the, the conversation, but um, I wish I've done this actually much, much sooner. We were okay. under the impression that we actually needed to build our community first. And, you know, but actually we, we had an amazing product from day one. Yeah, I mean, the kickstart, you know, the crowdfunding gave you that exactly. evidence anyway. And I think that's a really good point to make because some people think they need to be a year in business, two years in business, you know, everything needs to be perfect and before they approach a retailer. And yes, your brand needs to be of good quality. You need to have good packaging. You need to make sure that your profit margin is is, is there so that you can, you know, um, wholesale. But yeah, it's such a a great income stream for you to have with, you know, work at the beginning and making the contacts. But once the relationship is there and it's, it's built and they're ordering, you know, to be able to see your brand and to get the exposure in those, in those retailers, like that you've mentioned is to, is just fantastic. Yeah. And how, so are you based, is Marie based in France and you're based here because right. Okay. Cause you had a pop-up shop in France as well, didn't you? So we were both based in London to start with. Mary moved back to Paris when we went full-time on Billy London. So she's been back in Paris for a year now. Uh, so we are operating from those two cities. And we did have a pop-up in Galerie Lafayette um, last year, last winter, this winter. Yeah. Which was really good as well. It wasn't a, a flagship, you know, 
standalone. Yeah, it wasn't a standalone. It was uh, with other brands, uh, obviously Galerie Lafayette, uh, but it was a, a great exposure as well. That then, did you go to the new one? I'm just you know because there's the new one that's near. We it was a big one on the Haussmann um, Galerie Lafayette Haussmann. Yeah. Okay, another one, and. Um, just a couple of things to, to finish us off then in terms of what tips would you give to anyone starting a sustainable brand? First, you need to um, know your values and what are the things you're not prepared to compromise on mm-hmm. because it's going to be relentless, it's going to be hard. And if you're not clear on why you're doing this, what is driving you to do that and and what are the things you are not going to let affect some part of your life? It might be family. It might be, yeah. it might be financially. You might think, I never want to earn not less than X. Whatever it is, you need to know exactly those things you don't want to compromise on. Because mm-hmm. when time comes to make difficult choices, it will be easy because you will know those things. So that's very important. And another thing is to surround yourself with a lot of people don't shy away from sharing your idea execution is what matters so no one is going to steal your idea just talk and talk and talk about it because you're going to keep learning something new every time you speak to someone about it and i I can't say it enough shout about it because you there's you know you can't just do it especially if you don't have a co-founder i was very lucky to have married but I cannot imagine, you know, doing it on my own. And that's so true. I mean, um, I interviewed, do you know the underwear brand Panty? Mm-hmm. They make underwear from Deadstop. And uh, I interviewed the the two founders, the two sisters, and that's exactly what they said as well. It's just network, network as much as you can and keep talking about the brand because you just don't know who you're talking to that can help you or that, you know, that in some way can um, help you achieve what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's not worrying about your idea is yours and other people, you know, it's your, they can't, they're not going to be able to execute it the way that you would want to execute it, not to like shy away and be worried that people are going to steal your idea. Yeah. And also I did say at the beginning of recently that uh, we did too much, but one thing so is try to apply to as many competition incubator regardless of the, um, the industry you're in, you know, for us, we, we joined the Trumpery, which was a sustainable uh, fashion accelerator program, which was absolutely amazing. On the back of it, we got an article in Forbes, you know, yeah. just apply the shop. We would have never had this. Um, you know, I remember applying for it um, on a Friday night until very late and I was very close not to do it. Yeah. And, you know, so apply to those, um, those network and uh, those incubator. You need um, the network and the support. Yeah, look for the opportunities and then take them when they're there as well. Fantastic. And my last question for you, what's next for the brand that you can share? I'm sure you've probably got lots of things that you maybe can't share, but what can you share? Um, we are fundraising at the moment uh, with private investors. Mm-hmm. So that's a big piece for us is taking uh, obviously a lot of time and energy. Um, we have uh, probably done 40% of our target so far. Um, so there is still um, there's still some space for more angel investors or VCs to come. And the next big thing is obviously I mentioned retailers. We have been invited to um, 
exhibits in the organic section of the biggest um, lingerie trade in, in the world called Le Salon de la Lingerie. I don't yeah. know. If, um, it's in Paris. It's usually in January, but again, they moved it to June uh, due to COVID. And um, this is going to be huge for us. Um, we are currently prototyping um, a lot more products. We have um, already launched the leggings and the socks made of the same biodegradable materials, mm -hmm. but um, we are also going to do knickers, bralette, and so on. So we are prototyping all of those uh, more tights, more leggings, and we will have the full range uh, at the Salon de la Lingerie, um, where we are really hoping to meet as many retailers as possible um, to actually um, start conversations with them and uh, and show that you know we are we already far ahead yeah. you know it's not just sites it's a whole range that we have yeah which is i think is i mean which is always good for retailers because they they're thinking of what space they have if they're going to take on a brand what else can they buy into so yes you can approach a retailer with a small number of items but it, when you do have a range it just makes them i think pay more attention or and say know that you have a plan to have a range so that they can buy into you know they can start off small and buy into you as well if their customers buy into it and if people want to find out more about the fundraising side how do they find out that and get in touch with you about that if there's people that are interested uh, in investing yes they can email me directly um sophie at billy-london.com and i will uh, i will share the teaser the pitch deck all of that okay. um sophie at billy-london.com and then for if people that want to check out the website and buy the products, where can they find out? Online, billy-london.com. Uh, follow us on Instagram as well. Um, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, and maybe the website. Sign up to our newsletter. We do share a lot of exciting news. We are uh, very often when we are due to launch new products, we organize co um collaboration with uh, with our consumers where for instance for the legging we selected 10 women and we send them the leggings to try at home the mm -hmm. first prototype so you know there's a lot of opportunities to be involved as well um, we are also organizing vip private events with our uh, clients and ambassadors so if anyone would like to host any of them there's uh, many opportunities to be involved so uh, definitely sign up to the newsletter Sophie, thank you so much. And we've been trying to organize this since December. So I'm, it's been worth the wait. Thank you so much. And um, if you, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. If you have, we'd love for you to leave a review and subscribe. And I will be back again next Thursday with another fantastic guest on Start, Scale, Succeed. Thank you so much, Nicole.